This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the easiest way to send, spend, save, and invest. Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and your people. So in the spirit of effortless finance maintenance, here's how Chris Blackstead is connected with his people. Jason, down here in Atlanta, I've linked up with a new tennis coach, and he's wearing my little ass out on the courts uh, multiple times per week. How's the tennis, though? The tennis is great. No, the tennis is great. Yeah, he's, he's blowing my back out in more ways than one. Understood. You know, I thought maybe my stature as like a kind of returning king to my hometown, I thought maybe this was going to be gratis. That isn't the case, and I was asked to pay for these services. So you had to support a small business? You know, whether you're sharing a perfect day with friends or sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating, let's not do that, and gifting uh, with the number one finance app in the App Store, that's money, baby. That's Cash App. Download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today to add your cash tag to the 80 million and counting. Good to hear from you, bitch. Uh, it's Chris Black back on his Cali swag, uh, sitting here in a giant suite at the beautiful Astro Hotel as the renovations continue to crawl to a finish. Uh, them jeans, how are you, bro? Is the sweet green candle smelling good? I just lit my tomato and dirt flamingo estate X <laughs> sweet green candle. Of course, tomato and dirt. <laughs> I love to celebrate tomatoes, um, and as as winter. Is knocking on the door. We're obviously we're sort of moving away from tomato season, so this is the only way I'm able to embalm that scent okay. until uh, until spring has sprung. So yeah, you love a tomato so much that you've had to light a candle in remembrance almost because they're, <laughs> they're, this this season is coming to a close and TJ just needs his fix of of the beautiful red uh, yeah. na- nature's candy. A, a lot of other tomato heads say that it gets easier every season, but. <laughs> You know, I'll let you know when that okay. happens because it really doesn't get easier. Every it's 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 always let down. Do you even are you one of those people who wouldn't even eat a tomato if it's not in season? You know, you know you can still buy them, of course, but would you just kind of bypass that and move on to something else? Like eating a tomato, just like where the tomato is the star, or like a sandwich that has tomato in it from Subway or something. I would say if you were a real head, you wouldn't even order a. A, a turkey club from Jimmy John's with a tomato on it. If it was out of season, if it's out, if it if it if a tomato's out of season, I will sort of honk twice and give it a sniff. Um, you know, I'll, okay, I'll inspect okay. the undercarriage okay. for color, okay. cut, and, and brilliance. Uh, yes, you know, yeah, yeah, if it's yeah. not if for, for yeah for clarity, Triple if it's C's. not a VVS or higher <laughs> tomato. Okay. I don't really see a point of putting it in my mouth. You can see some mealiness. I agree. I, you know? I actually, I um, I'm glad to hear this because I think that if you're really about it, you have to kind of give tomatoes the cold shoulder when you know they're being bad for you. You know they're being bad to you. You know by not yeah, by I mean, not being in season. So I'm glad that you've kind of you're taking a stand. Hardest part of my job, Chris. You, if you love them that much, you know you got to let them go, and they will come back to you unless uh, global warming quote-unquote, continues to ravage our uh, our planet. Yeah, you keep talking about that. I'm buying a condo in Miami. Um, <laughs> what's going on? What, what's going on otherwise? I'm, I'm doing a juice cleanse today. I think I'm only going to do a halfer because I'm hitting Musso and Frank's for a little Hollywood dinner with <laughs> friend of the show Chris Chang. Don't worry. I'll keep it light. Shrimp cocktail, maybe a little salad. 
I am not going to have... I mean, you know, you don't go there for the food anyways, but... I wouldn't say the salads are super strong, but go ahead. <laughs> Do you. Well, I mean, in, in an ideal world, I would be consuming no solid food except for some boiled chicken breast while I get these gains, but, you know, it's show week, so you have to make some changes here and there. But I'm excited to kind of walk the, the Hollywood Boulevard streets mm-hmm. on the on the eve of our show, on the eve of our show at the Troubadour, you know, kind of sniff... <laughs> Sniff the piss-colored sidewalks, the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Check out those billboards for different guys who have watch Instagram accounts. You know, old Hollywood. Yeah, no, of course. Old Hollywood. I mean, I understand wanting to reconnect with your culture before you kind of really dive back in, which is nice to hear. Bro, where where it all began, brother. (laughs) It's like when Snoop Dogg goes back to his middle school. It's kind of like that. (laughs) When Snoop goes back to the LVC, it's the same thing as Jason yeah. hitting Hollywood Boulevard. I'm going to walk past Greco's Pizza. I think I'm going to be like, what's up? <laughs> oh, where you been, Hollywood? Oh, wait, wait a minute. We are in Hollywood. <laughs> but, you, it, but it does sound, I will note, before you move further, your 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 voice has a like the air of depression that sort of filled uh-huh. your, your general tone for the last few weeks. Oh. Is, has seemed to dissipate. You you seem to have a little bit more of that spark in your voice again. Well, I mean, look, bro, I did. I went to high mat this morning and did a workout surrounded by thoughts and mesh hats with, you know, lip filler. Mesh hat thoughts. I'm listening. That were on their phones the whole time. I'm driving. I'm driving my X5 around the streets like a like almost like a child in a toy car because I haven't been in a luxury automobile in a while. Did you find any lube under the seat or was it clean? No, no, it was clean, but he he had it washed. So, you know, who knows what was there before, mm-hmm. you know? Can't clean everything, Andrews. We'll know. <laughs> I'm getting my sea legs, though. It's like a little bit like I told Alex, like yesterday I was driving around. I was like, I felt like I didn't know how to drive. You know, being being out out of the Camry, the busy streets of L.A., so many distracting billboards, you know, all this stuff to look at. Like a like a baby giraffe yep. popping out of the womb, learning to walk for the very first time exactly. uh, down down La Cienega and Franklin. Exactly. So I'm sure it's been tough for you, Chris. It, it, look, I just I, I'm not saying it's 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 anyone else's burden, but it is. It has been tough for me and I'm not going <laughs> to kind of hide that. It is something I mean, uh, as as somebody who loves studying. And science and things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. cool that you are keeping an eye on that. I find it fascinating as well. I w- was able to check on the 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 house and the the tile guys were there burning the midnight oil. They were still there at four forty five, which I think is impressive. The tile people were there at four forty five p.m. That's right. Yeah, I thought they maybe oh, cut oh, wow. cut out early, but stuff's got to get done. You know what I mean? Stuff's got to get done. So <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't crack the whip or anything. I was merely there to pick up some shoes and some other uh, things that had come <laughs> for me in the mail. Don't mind me, boys. I'm just picking up some shoes. I don't think they knew that I was the homeowner to begin with, so that's fine. You know, that's fine. They probably thought I, they just thought I walked in off the street was going to get grab a couple of packages and kind of head on out. I mean, they just assume you're you're either hair or makeup i don't know what, but what happened what what happened today that kind of hurt me a little bit was i returned uh the prodigal son returned home to his local whole foods and i was ready to be you know kind of embraced by the staff at the smoothie counter because they know me they know mm-hmm. my order we have a nice rapport you expected to you expected to rock up and they're sort of squinting their eyes yes is that that couldn't be him yeah is he back is, is that mr black and then um the the worst thing that could possibly happen happened. No employees that I know were there. It was all new staff. Shift change? 
I don't think so. I think it's a turnover, oh, and I had to tell them my order verbally. Damn, bro. Have you talked to your therapist about this yet, or is this... No, I mean, I'm sharing breaking? with you and, and all of the millions of people that listen to this podcast that there's nothing worse than being a regular, mm-hmm. going out of town for only a month, you know, and then coming back, and all of a sudden your status has been downgraded. It's like a, It's like... If I flew United one time, went back to the Delta counter, and they were like, "You're sitting by the toilet," mm-hmm. you know, like we're, we're we're done with you. You're gold, but maybe you know. <laughs> but luckily, gold, it's maybe. I'm looking at it more as a challenge for me to acquaint myself with the new staff and and keep that that kind of important rapport going. Mm-hmm. Let's do this thing all over again. It's like Blink One Eighty Two going back on the road. Like, do we have it in us? Can we teach this new brigade my smoothie order? I guess we'll find out the hard way. This Blink One Eighty Two tour has really got people in a damn tizzy. I tell you what. First of all, I'm praying for I'm praying for Matt Skiba, bro. Because like you luck the fuck out. You look like shit. You're in a legendary band, Alkaline Trio. You got the gig of a lifetime, making a fortune to play songs that legendary is a strong word for Alkaline Trio. But continue. How hard? Now I don't I don't mean to, and this is not disparaging to Blink One Eighty Two, of course, in any way. But those songs aren't aren't hard to play. Is my guess. Except for Travis Barker. Yeah, except for what Travis is doing. He has not yet learned that jazz is about the notes you don't play because he plays every note. <laughs> sure. Matt Skiba's coasting along, and then they're like, all right, bro, um, you're the biggest tour we've ever done. We're going to make the most money. We got to get the original guy back. So if you don't mind sitting this one out, you know, we'll holler at you, you know, 2026. This is this the, it's the curse of the understudy. Skiba knew what he was getting that's into true. when he signed up for it. He had a good ride, you know? No, no, that's true. That's, he made a lot more money than he would have made otherwise, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's a good way to look at it. But people are up in, up in arms because the tickets are going for 1800 large. Yeah. I mean, that's not even the top. I think front row is like 2400 something like that. It's, it's amazing to me that Blink has turned into like a Grateful Dead situation where like guys our age have made too much money on, on Bitcoin and are going to fly on a private jet to see a band that talks about <laughs> like come and and, and pay twenty five hundred dollars a ticket. Sometimes it's a bummer when your girlfriend's mad at you and then um, but then she <laughs> yeah, buys you yeah. a burrito from that one spot um, in in Los Alamitos and it's like all good. <laughs> I just don't I don't not like Blink one eighty two, but I just don't I, I don't understand. I just didn't have that relationship to that. Like I don't care about it at all. Do you think that our previous generation felt the same way when they would see, you know, like like we would like I went to go see like a you know, like a Metallica or a Guns N' Roses reunion show. Yeah. And it's like a whole big thing and everyone's like, Yeah, it's crazy and then like the older generation is like Guns and Roses? They're singing. I mean, guns. I would rather. Why, listen, why do you care so much? I would that? rather listen to Blink One Eight Two than Guns and Roses. That's on God. But I think that, um, yeah, of course, it's every, it's every generation. But I think it's just when you, when it's yours, when it's like this is music I grew up with, and I should care about this, but I don't. And then I see our our peers trying to spend ten grand to go to San Diego to see Blink One Eighty Two in an arena. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just I'm kind of stunned that that's where we're at. But I guess that that's the problem when you give, you know, when, when you earn enough money, you get to spend it how you like. And some people want to spend it on Blink One Eighty Two. I can't even imagine what that episode of the Kardashians is going to be like when they go hit SoFi. Oh my god, it's good. in the black car. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Courtney comes out on stage. Maybe she's kind of like a sub drum tech or something. You know, just for the cameras. Not she's not gonna she doesn't know how to tune a snare, of course, but like there's a possibility that she could kind of make an appearance, you know. No, no, no. I think that her true calling in the world of live performance, you know, we got a lot of fans over listeners over at Golden Voice, yeah. you know, take notes. If if you got one of those kind of more 
you know, a little moshier show. We got we got Turnstile over at Red Rock, something like that, or a Morrissey style show where people yeah, are constantly clamoring on stage. You know, we got Chloe in there with some kind of linebacker gear. Chloe's too ripped now. Actually, she might be stronger now, but she is thinner. So I think maybe she could be kind of one of those hidden. She's a little sniper. Her strength is is not visible uh, when she's wearing her um, Yeezy Gap oversized stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she puts on the aloe, it's game over. What's on she- the aloe? Somebody, don't you try to headwalk at this Mad Ball show around, around Big Chloe? <laughs> She'll clean your Big little clock. <laughs> Big Chloe's wearing a one-shoulder uh, aloe set, and she will deck your ass. It's no problem. It's no problem for Big Chloe. Um, the thing is with Chloe, it's actually fun for her. It's weird. <laughs> she like really likes it. She says she gets her aggression out. Um, yeah, so the shows are this week. We'll see you tomorrow night at uh, at the Troubadour with, with Joe Mandy, and then we'll see you Thursday night uh, at uh, the Lodge Room in beautiful Highland Park mm-hmm. with John Early. Uh, and then we'll see you at the after party at Burger Lords. Um, and I'm ready, Jason. I don't know about you. I'm not ready yet, but you know we got to be. I'm not ready either. I was lying. I thought you would just lie with me. <laughs> um, all right, we do have a guest today, um, a, a musician that Jason and I are both fans of. Uh, his nom de plume is drug dealer. I think he he's an L.A. cat, right? Yeah, he's an L.A. cat. Uh, I know that he has a history of train hopping. Oh, I love that. He used to have a pet pig, or maybe he still does have a pet pig. Okay, so we got a, we got a freak on our hands. He, he comes highly recommended by a lot of uh, you know friends of the show and people who have been on before. Said he'd be a good fit on the pod, so we uh, we had to hit him up and. Let's give uh, let's give drug dealer a jingle. I'm excited to hear what uh, you know Canadian customs has to think about his uh, nom de plume whenever he's playing over in Vancouver. <laughs> well, we're gonna have commiserate to commiserate on stuff like that. We're gonna have to have you step aside here for a second if you don't mind, eh? You know, I actually am an avid listener of this podcast, so I just. Oh wait, that's a that's a great way to start. Go ahead and name your top three. How long gone's dead or alive? <laughs> the first one I listened to was. The Ion Pack, because that's how I sort of found out about you guys in a roundabout okay. way. Um, mm-hmm. So I listened to the one with Curtis and KJ. I really like that one recently with that country singer. I forget her name. Oh, S.G. Goodman? S.G. Goodman was good. Yeah. Wasn't she great? Legend. I thought she was great. I I really fucked with that John Vanderslice one. Yeah, well, actually. I mean... Dude, dude. Because <laughs> I didn't really know anything about him, and I used to live in Oakland for... A year and a half before I lived here, and um, I had heard about Tiny Telephone. I didn't. I just didn't know shit about the dude, but he he really spit some some facts on that podcast. <laughs> you know, no, it, it's guys like that where like I'm so grateful that podcasting exists because otherwise we may have never heard. You know, you know, like people know his story, but they don't get to hear just him having a conversation. That sounds fucking insane, and it's so cool. And oh I'll go God, back and I'll look at our, you know, we've done like 400 episodes, and we've had you know Diplo and fucking mm-hmm. Lena Dunham and Brett Easton Ellis, all these people, and John Vanderslice, a guy who no one has ever heard of, is always in the top 10 of all time episodes because it's just so legendary. There's something about the way that he was talking about his substance intake that I was just like. <laughs> This guy is just like a pioneer. No, no, agree. It was science like. That's the thing. Like being was... somebody who's who's <laughs> gone way overboard to the point where you're not allowed in the ring anymore, Chris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How inspiring was it to hear like cuz I mean, I feel like you know what I'm talking about like I'm somebody who yeah. I'm somebody who parties really hard and then like I 
like I'm somebody who like goes all the way in and then like I'll spend time like not even thinking about getting fucked up or whatever and like I'm always considering like which way is the best. You know what I mean? Like mm. and I feel like mm-hmm. I I don't know like I just like know a lot of people that have like had to go sober and you know it's just a question in these realms that we like you know that we circle in. No, I mean I think that that guy's approach is just it's he's from a different planet yeah. like i've never met anyone that approaches drugs like that never that's what I've i'm never saying met anyone. like listening to that podcast i was like oh that sounds perfect i'm just gonna adopt that whole thing where it's like seven days a year we're just gonna go bacchanal <laughs> on everyone's ass because his whole mm-hmm. his whole thing is basically like you know he it's like he has like a rum springer like Eight mm. times a year or something, right? Like for I forgot hours. that I forgot that he didn't. Dr- I forgot that he doesn't drink on tour. I was just reminded yeah. of that. That's kind of what I'm saying because I'm about to go on tour for I think like 35 days, and I haven't done a long tour since before the pandemic. And I really want to have like a really like meaningful spiritual time. And it's like the group that I tour with are like all my best friends, and it's just like I just want to be like. You know, I just want to be there for it. And the way that he talks about it is like just just really like, you know, showing up and being present for the shows. And then when he's done, he's like, you know, and then he has fun or whatever. But I just liked his approach. It just seems very balanced. And, you know, like all of these things are so hard to figure out which side you stand on with like sobriety and stuff as you get older. But I just think that he obviously sounds like someone who's. I don't know. He's just got. He's just found some kind of way, and some some of my friends could could never have like held themselves to that, and they had to go different ways. And I don't know. I just like I I kind of just after listening to that episode, I was like, you know, I listened to it twice. I was like, this guy has some <laughs> stuff to say to me. It, it kind of sounds like when you listen to those like guys who have optimized like biohacking shit, yeah, type of stuff. It, it had that kind of energy where it's like I, I come from an intelligent scientific process and blah, blah blah, and I needed to engineer a way that I could live, uh, you know, successfully be a fuck up in life mm-hmm. and exactly. still work out. Like I got the feeling that his relationships with his family and loved ones are. Probably so much healthier than the average person, even though... Oh, 100%. Yeah. Every story that he's told is like, I don't know anyone who would survive that, let alone... No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like being a musician, being a writer, whatever whatever you do, as long as you're not like a VC... Well, I guess if you're that too, but I mean, you know... Hey, VC is an art, bro. Yeah, bro. Don't do that. Don't do that. Shout out to all our VC (laughs) listeners. Shout out for all our seed rounders I'm not coming for for the, the second... Round of uh, round of uh, investors here for how long gone? Okay, <laughs> you know what's actually funny yeah. though. Like you were just saying that it's. I think Jason, you were saying that it's cool that podcasting exists, and I fully agree too because I actually don't really listen to music that much. Like when I was growing up, my parents, my parents were biologists when they met, and they are fun too. Uh, <laughs> and and they but they like you just reminded me of that because they sound like a hoot <laughs> of the scientists that kind of figured out their way to you know a good mm. life you know like with through the experimental like uh the scientific method or whatever yeah it's like i i really want to like live this way yeah and i'm gonna spend potentially decades on figuring it out mm-hmm. it probably won't work for anyone else but me and i and you kind of get imposter syndrome of like Totally. I guess this is work. Like, am I a healthy person? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And you're always kind of like questioning your hypotheses, like just in your daily yeah. life. But 
Anyways, when I was growing up, they just listened to talk radio, um, and they didn't really play that much music around the house. Every time we would go on like a like a road trip, they would play like one Fleetwood Mac like greatest hits tape. Like they would just wear it out. Mm-hmm. But like when I was growing up, there was not a lot of music around, and I was really really into film from a very young age. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> Basically, like I grew up listening to like NPR in the background all the time. And then mm-hmm. now, and then later in life, I found music because I realized that I wasn't going to be making films. I went to school to try to make films and I was like, Dan Deacon was down the street, like playing, rocking some crazy warehouse gig. And I was like, all right, I'm in the wrong mm-hmm. lane. So I like went over there when I went to Baltimore to go to art school and then I ended up making music. But in the long run, it's funny because I don't really listen to a lot of music. Like I bike, every day in LA and I'm just programmed to listen to talk radio and like my dad listened to car talk and like mm, fresh air like ever since I was growing up so I think that like podcasting is is the wave that I've always needed because I don't I don't listen to albums I'm a hypocrite like I release them but I'm just like no this is very cool I really like what you're doing no I mean I really like that. I'm just doing music because I like I like creating with my friends but I'm not like I think you keep who, it pure that way I think you keep it because I actually listen to more music now than I've ever listened to and do not listen to podcasts at all, really. Yeah. So it's the it's the it's the reverse. Like I I listen to a few here and there, but like I would much rather hear a beautiful new drug dealer record out soon on Mexican summer than (laughs) than another than another podcast. You know, it's just it's it's the two sides of the same coin. When when I first started listening to podcasts, when they first came out. I was so consumed in them that I completely stopped listening to music almost altogether. And then I realized or I started feeling or wondering if it was unhealthy mm-hmm. because uh, when you're listening to music, especially instrumental music, you're able to sort of drift off and your mind can wander and think about things and you can mm-hmm. sometimes think about bad things and scary things and, oh, I got to, you know, I got to pay my taxes or my friend's dog died or whatever. You, you have to think about good and bad things. But when you're listening to a podcast, and the cadence is perfect, and the editing is so crispy, like on How Long Gone, you don't really have a moment to think about anything, be it good or bad, and that can be a good thing for a while, but I think eventually you will need to listen to some Brian Eno and, and kind of... You will, you will need to get on your own find those demons. thought wave. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, it's very true, but I, I was just thinking that, like, you know, like when I started making music, like... You know, as you guys probably can surmise, like I started releasing records in 2009 and I was like, mm. it was right at that period. I started making music just to make one, to send one Mediafire link to a blog that I liked. You know, like I was, that was the period and that was what was going on. Sounds like how I started too. And I didn't, yeah. And I didn't think that I was going to actually have a music career. So like when all of that stuff happened, there was like a watershed moment. That was like, you know, people talk about like the the blogosphere moment. Mm-hmm. And it was a really cool thing that actually brought me into wanting to do music. Because it was never, like I said, it was never something that I grew up wanting to do. Something that I got into being around like the Wham City Baltimore scene and like picked up. And it just kind of took off. But I think it's funny because I think that you guys started this during the pandemic, right? the show yeah yeah we Mm -hmm. did it's honestly it's the it's it's has echoes of that blogosphere moment for us musicians i think like Mm. when i met curtis and kj i was like this is like when i first moved to new york for a year like whether way like when they they're doing their thing like 
um, you know, they've been there for a while, but like, you know, they're finding their their scene that has like a moment of exporting information really freely and music has you know those same musicians like me that used to just make stuff and just throw it up on media fire and just make something and later that day someone in texas was writing about it <laughs> that shit was so exciting but then at, to the same right as soon as anything that we were doing had any excitement or notoriety around it then the labels come in and then they scoop us up and then all of a sudden we can't the same little pieces of shit that we made in our bedrooms that we used to release mm-hmm. later that day, we can't release for a year and a half, you know? So. That's right. And thank God, thank God for the label system. I want to shout out all those guys as well, because, you know, without them, without them, without these advances, I don't know how you would be in debt. You know what I mean? Like, you need them. Oh, for sure. I mean... Not everybody needs them. Yeah. Depending, depending on what kind of music you're making yeah. and how much gear you have. If you have a computer, you don't need them. It is cool, though, and I think, like, a lot of, you know, ever since I met... KJ and Curtis and I was on their podcast. I was like, damn, I'm so fucking jealous of you guys. You guys are the guys who used to put me on at like to play a show at your college. And now I'm the one who's like, God, it's going to be six months until people hear this thing that I made two years ago. And you guys are releasing just shit left and right. And yeah, it was just really amazing. Yeah, there are some pros and cons to that. I mean, I, I, I always sympathize when I hear about writers when they finish a book. Because like when we when I finish a podcast, I'm like, Pretty cool episode. Yeah, I'm gonna upload it. Sure, and uh, then tomorrow I'm gonna make another one. But like, if you if you wrote a book or you made an album or you made a movie, and you're like, all right, I'm done. Pencils up, let's go. And then, like you said, two years later, it hits the shelves for whatever reason. And I think back in the day, the reasons made a lot more sense. Or mm-hmm. you just said you just listened to whatever they told you. But now it's kind of like, no, can you tell me why it does take two two years for this? Exactly. No, for sure. And like, you know, people are just with the internet age, a lot of artists are also moving away from, you know, who who have gotten like a fan base. They're you're you know, you're going to see them moving away from the label system just because, you know, people you know, people just can distribute mu- music, podcasts freely, whatever. You know, like there's different stages in people's career where different platforming helps them more and then there's stages where but you know isn't there something to be said about having that beautiful columbia record stamp (laughs) on the back or maybe a sub pop you know logo or you know something like that's the problem is that i'm too old to be like self-released means that you couldn't get anybody to put it out (laughs) yeah you you, you know what i'm saying like for sure for sure i'm not saying that's right but that is where my head goes that is an old person's argument yeah and you're i think you like i said you're you're more of like you've been in the music scene longer way longer than i have Mm -hmm. for me like i started like i'm when i started making music when i like really trying to make music when i was like 20 i didn't have this relationship with like have seeing cds or like wanting to be in a band so like you know when i was 20 that's kind of why drug dealer sounds the way it does because i was like oh fuck like three records that my parents used to play like jackson brown and the Beatles. I was like, damn, that, that's, that's all you got. <laughs> I was like, these people are making this noise music over here, and I'm never going to be as cool as them. But uh, maybe this music that my parents showed me is actually pretty dope. And so, like, I'm like finding out about stuff that like everyone knew about when they were like <laughs> 13 at like 25, you know. And you're you're like, check out this throbbing gristle, guys. It's awesome. They're like, no, we're good. I found out about all that stuff. 
Yeah, too early. Sooner because of the like scene in Baltimore that I lived in. Yeah, I got I got kind of burned. Well, that that scene in Baltimore. Not, I mean, I I'm understand it, you know, a little bit as a bystander because I was probably in New York at that time. But it was a real freak show. Yeah, that was the whole thing. I I went to Micah, the the art school there, to try to do film, quote unquote, and then I immediately yeah. found out that like you know either that wasn't the coolest route for me to go or just like I wasn't really ready to, and I. Immediately, I moved into the room that Dan Deacon lived in for a couple years in in like this warehouse where the Wham City Collective was, and that must have smelled crazy in there, bro. I have a quick, I have a quick Dan Deacon story. I don't want to. No, please go ahead. This is a quite a long time ago. Um, at a at a Hall- First of all, I hate Halloween, but I was at this Halloween party, and I of course wasn't dressed up. I was forced to be at this party. It's a longer story. But a, a man approached me, mm-hmm. a, a sort of jockish regular bro approached me, and he was like, oh, you're dressed up like Dan Deacon. <laughs> and I was like, bro, I'll beat you. I was on coke, of course. And I was like, bro, I'll beat your ass right here. And it, caused a lo- <laughs> it caused a lot of problems in my personal life. And I've never, I don't know Dan. And that's not a shot at Dan necessarily. But I, I, I didn't see the similarities at the time, so it was deeply offensive to me, <laughs> and I had to defend my honor. But now looking back, it was like, yeah, I mean, whatever. We're two white guys yeah. with glasses. It's all the same shit at a certain point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that. I guess that. <laughs> yeah, if you're on if you're on coke and you think that you look pretty cool, and somebody said asks you, "Are you dressed up as Dan Deacon for Halloween?" That's that's one of the more offensive things you could ever tell a sartorialist. That's what I'm saying. So it, it had to. I was like ready to take this guy down to the mat. You know what I mean? And l- luckily, we were we were broken up before anything could happen. Um, but just just a quick aside there. I apologize. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, but no, it, but it but it really was a freak show. I didn't know what I was getting into when I moved there. I was like, I moved there to go to the school, and then I decided not to go to the school. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, here's this city basically that is so depressed economically that all of these crazy artists from mm-hmm. New York and all these other East Coast cities have descended upon here to just like have basically a free form wonderland like sounds like Antifa. Yeah, it does sound like Antifa. It was pre it was pre Antifa. <laughs> what are the bigger exports that people might might recognize from this era? Other than Dan Deacon. Of course. And I don't mean physically big. <laughs> yeah, no, like um people, you know, like Beach House. Okay. Jana Hunter, Future Islands, like these are like the few, but you got to understand, these are the few bands that were like, we're going to make songs with words, you know, like <laughs> sure, a lot sure. of the yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that was really good, that like really inspired me and a lot of my other friends to just make any of the types of art that we do make. They were the types of stuff that could not be exported even four hours up to New York to the tri-state <laughs> yeah, area. Yeah, it was yeah. too. It was it was too weird. Like you, the files themselves couldn't be exported. The computer kept crashing. It was just like, <laughs> no, I refuse. The kind of thing that could only be played like on Og Vorbis on like a Neil Young like Toblerone speakers. <laughs> no, but those okay. people, the the people who, you know, I came up around that were doing, you know, the people that were left of. If Dan Deacon is Miley Cyrus, then they're, <laughs> you know, like John Cale. Like those, those were a lot of the people that I like lived around. And I was like really inspired by, you know, just being someone who hadn't done music as a young person. I was like, well, there's really no rules. And then ironically, I decided to go the other way, which was to spend 10 painstaking years trying to learn without actually any real schooling, just how to write songs and yeah, it took a long fucking time, basically. <laughs> but hey, man, 
we're still learning, aren't we? All right. So if you're not if you're not playing music in like high school, are you just like watching ten hours of movies a day in like a dark room? I don't understand. No, I I I I was like a really avid skateboarder my whole life until the pandemic. Oh, okay. So you're saying drug drug Damn. dealers got a little tray flip on them then? Okay. Drug dealers got tray flips, but mostly <laughs> pop shove it tail grabs, which is if you've ever skated, is really not a very trendy trick. Um, mm-hmm. When I grew up in Boston, I had like no friends that skated i was like just like i skated by myself a lot and like like i said i was really into film but i would like write short stories i was like a really troubled kid is basically what i'm saying Mm. and like i played sports like i i was the captain of the soccer team but i was also one of the only kids in this little waspy new england town in massachusetts that like was starting to fuck around with like mushrooms and stuff so like i just (laughs) didn't really fit in where i sure where i grew up and and yeah but but i skated a lot and then but i never had any friends skating and then once i moved i moved to several different cities before i moved to la but like once i got here it was the first time in my life when i actually had people to skate with because it's like a skateboard sure this is mecca this is mecca yeah so i like you know i kind of fell out from skating in the middle of my 20s when i was traveling a lot and and then I had like a second wind of skating. I'd skated my whole childhood. That was like, you know, just I think a lot of people in their like late 20s, early 30s probably wouldn't have were like all of a sudden I was skating with some of the people that I grew up like idolizing, yeah. becoming friends with them because, you know, they're they make music, too. And, you know, like we run in the same circles and I end up skating with these people. Some of them like played in drug dealer at various times in the live band and i was able to go on tour yeah bob burnquist on kazoo what's going yeah. on yeah what do you mean i didn't know spanky could play the flute but that's cool that he does <laughs> i'm pretty sure spanky <laughs> could pick up whatever instrument you give him but <laughs> yeah no it's just you know i i come from a skateboarding background but you got to listen to the jerry sue episode of how long gone as well it's a great one is there one i, yeah. I thought yeah, i would have yeah, seen awesome. that yeah. When you say that you were traveling a lot, Jason tipped me off that you might have been a you're a recovering train hopper. Is that true? Yeah, I'm a recovering oogle. <laughs> Oog is that what it's called? An oogle? <laughs> I, I pe- people joke around if if there's like a like a train person in the midst. If you're at like a co- if you're at like a coffee shop in like <laughs> Seattle and you see somebody with like a couple patches and like a huge backpack, sure. mm-hmm. you know, they might not have a place to crash that i have some um (laughs) understanding of this world just through a few a few of my friends that also chose to live off the grid in their own you know little ways who who would have thought that out of between chris and i he's the one with train hopper friends but please continue because jason (laughs) people don't people don't give me credit just because i'm a bitch now doesn't mean i always have been you know it's like i i you know but i would like to understand now what compels a, a person to do this because i i know that like you know, dumpster diet. I, I, getting free bagels is cool, but like you could do that at home. So why do you feel the need to see just to see America this way? Well, also, first of all, Jason, to Chris's credit, he's from the South, and that's like if you're from the South, there's like th- there's a lot of train traveling ar- around. Ah, uh, okay, of, yeah. There's a lot of routes and, and <laughs> we invented and train it. tracks there. Okay, yeah. Anyways, in America's heartland, the reason that I did it was you know a lot of this stuff, including me doing music in general, all of this stuff is pretty random. But it's a lot of it has to do with the fact that I ended up in Baltimore because that that whole scene just has a lot of you know fringe punk, like small town energy, like similar to like some of the towns in the south, similar to like a New Orleans or something. And yeah, 
I ended up just like living in this warehouse space that, like I said, Dan and his friends used to live in when our friends took it over and travelers would just come through all the time. And I was just at a point in my life where I was like around all these people that were, you know, either going to art school or dropping out and making art. And everyone was like, you know, at that age, when you're in your early 20s in those scenes, people are just like, what am I going to do? Like, who am I going to be? And I was just like, it was too much for me. Like, I, I didn't really, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have a long history of making things that I was excited about when I was growing up. Um, so I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then when some people came through town that were riding the rails and <laughs> doing that stuff, I, I was, I've never even read like on the road. Like I didn't romanticize <laughs> it at all, but this is, yeah, so I was just, just like, fuck it. I was more just at a point where I was like, I'm not ready to do this, all this. Like I'm not ready to try to figure out what type of fine art, bullshit that i could possibly do (laughs) so i just like kind of and i you know i have like a a, i just have a curious spirit so i just like went with them and you know it's funny because like i don't think that i was ever really i don't think i was ever really born or meant to to travel that way but once i did travel on trains i found immediately that it's just this type of thing where you have to constantly think about surviving and not being caught and and all these things so it kind of if you're at a place in your life and i definitely had some like stuff to work out and figure out what my path in life was going to be it kind of puts you in this place where there's just this like a north a north star that's what we talk about mm-hmm. yeah like you have to just like be present you know what i mean and i really didn't know what i wanted to do at that point in my life moving forward so like i think it was just the perfect place for me to just be you know, you have to sit for six hours under a bridge in Eugene, Oregon, <laughs> instead of going on the mega bus up to New York to go see like fucking Crystal Castles. Like, you know, like you, 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 you have some time to figure out if that's really what now, you want to do. This- More than some. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did this ever feel, did it actually, now, uh, did you encounter danger or just, you know, dogs and stuff? I mean, dogs can be dangerous. I remember one time, <laughs> one time I was in Baltimore, and I got some of those dog stories. One time I was in Baltimore, and I had just like come from some train travels, stayed the night at my friend's house, and then I was going to take another train and go south because you know, like I, it happened to be that I just got in this mode for like almost a year, and when I got on the train, I remember he gave me some weed, and I smoked like. A blunt when I was going down south. I was basically going, trying to go to Florida from Baltimore, and it started raining in South Carolina, and I was like pretty stoned. And like it was, mm-hmm. so, depending on what train you're on, you're either inside a boxcar, but most of the time you're actually outside on like an exposed porch where like the two yeah. containers meet. And I was on one of those, and it started to rain. And so as soon as it slowed down, and because you know, there's a lot of impasses where the trains stop um as soon as it slowed down i was like i'm i gotta get off this bitch like this <laughs> i'm soaked and i was stoned and i was soaked and i was walking through the woods and it was like midnight but i had no idea that like i thought maybe there was a road nearby but all of a sudden the train <laughs> left and i realized that i was stoned 
like totally like wet like and then there was i was in the middle of the woods so i started walking just in like a indiscriminate direction just being like i gotta get through this like part of the reason i did this was because you really face a lot of your fears and i just have just a general fear of the dark and Mm. being alone and that's part of the reason why i traveled this way was because like i'm somebody who's like all right if if i really have this fear i'm not going to spend my entire life not addressing it but you know then you end up in a situation like that where you're walking for like miles through the woods (laughs) like what the hell am i doing uh and then i finally got to a dirt road and i see at the top of the dirt road it's it's not. It's kind of like a trailer park. There's like different RVs, mm-hmm. and I'm in South Carolina, like near Florence. I've never been there. And then I just like see some dogs at the top of this dirt road where there's one like light, and they look at me and they start trotting down the hill, like not too fast. And I start walking the other way. <laughs> it's kind of like you know, you know, when you're like walking down the street and there's somebody who just looks like they're just like in a mean mo- mood, and you're just like, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm not going to be rude, but I'm also going to avert my path. Like, that's how I was treating this pack of wild mm. dogs. And they just looked like mangy mutts, you know, but they, <laughs> there was like four to eight of them. I don't know. You hate to stereotype them, but they were mangy mutts. They were some dirt yard dogs. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and then so I actually ended up not trying to hold my composure and start running down the dirt road. And they're they're trotting after me. And then I see the only thing besides these trailers on this road is like a party city. But I swear to God, it's just in the middle of nowhere. Like it's it's not even like a like a real like on like a main avenue. It's just like, you know, like the party city warehouses where people rent like tents and shit. There was just like a warehouse for that company. Mm -hmm. And I ran back to the back of that. And there was a couple 18 wheelers that I'm sure they like pack full of like venue equipment in carolina or whatever and i just see one of them that's empty and i like run up and jump in and just lay back in the dark and i swear to god like a looney tunes cartoon the dogs just ran by and almost all of them just (laughs) ran by as as if i had my scent was still over there and they just like like i averted them but one of them stopped and turned around and just looked at me and I was just like, bro, this sounds like a Jordan Peele movie. Staring at it in the face. <laughs> and then I think I had like a moment with that dog where the dog was like, this bitch ain't worth it. And then he just kept, <laughs> he, he went back up to the pack and was like, no, I didn't see anything. Wow. <laughs> I, th- that was a really, that year was a really transformative experience for me. And it was actually extremely beneficial towards me not taking like my art career too seriously and just recognizing like the transience in things so it's like a really cathartic beautiful experience to me but what it ends up amounting to is just people like you like when i meet them being like what the fuck you so so, so, so you're a so you're a crust punk or what I'm, I'm glad it's cathartic to you but i mean you know i saw your crass butt flap and your fucking boots and yeah. I, I all i could do is ask these questions but also chris i mean when you're when you're like on that train and you've been just on some rickety rainy cargo train and then the sun starts coming up and you're you know you're looking at mount shasta or appalachia or the grand canyon or some shit and you you get to see the world in a way that nobody else gets to see it and that's probably a pretty unique feeling right I mean, just just for one little tidbit, it's like when you go on the cross-country route that I take, which is from like 
Baltimore, New York area to Chicago, and then from from Minneapolis to Seattle. Standard routing. I think Snail Mill's doing that right now, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no. It's ground control touring puts people on that. <laughs> but uh, anyways, when you go from some of these routes, like Minneapolis to Seattle, there's periods in the middle. It's like a two-day ride when you get on that train. There's periods where the highway is like 100 miles away, and the, the, ra- the tracks that you're on are only freight tracks. Like Amtrak's don't go in them. So there's, there are some moments, like you could imagine, where it's like, these are areas of Montana that, like, I could have, I could never see Shit. unless I was like flying like a plane or, or like, mm-hmm. or you know, like there's just there, there's beyond some, remote. There's some places that like these trains go that are so obscure in terms of like the landscape that it is really cool. The reason that I did it was actually, you know, it's 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 not that hard to imagine. It's like. I just kind of was at a place where I was like really not sure and I was kind of lost in my life and it just kind of gave me some purpose. And um, But the cool thing is, is that like it gives you a lot of confidence, like I said, because you, you're like, hey, yeah. if, I can, if I can get from around the whole country like three or four times in a row with zero dollars, like I think I can probably uh, mm-hmm. play a show at Shea Stadium. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so my follow-up question for this is, how good at shoplifting were you? I was pretty good. I, I had like, <laughs> it was kind of like a go into Whole Foods, grab like two of their reusable bags and just kind of fill them up, you know, abuse your privilege kind of method. But um, mm-hmm. that that got that got shut down pretty quickly when I was trying to take a tent from REI when I was like 20 in um <laughs> which I didn't realize was the REI headquarters in like Portland or something. Oh, yeah, been there, been there. No sales tax. You have, yeah. Yeah, no, and I got I got tackled by <laughs> some homie, some some burly ass homie and yeah, I haven't stolen anything since, but one thing that I was going to mention to you guys is that I mm-hmm. uh I do love a good hack or a scam like because you know when so you know when people get caught stealing they're younger they kind of like they're like all right i'm not going down mm-hmm. this route but then you when you see like an opening like if you're somebody who you know I, i'm like luckily now i'm like i'm financially stable big shouts <laughs> to all the algorithm <laughs> listeners out there like now i'm doing pretty well but you can't take you still the, you still gotta steal some shit yeah it's a control it's a control thing you gotta take some shit sometimes you still got that dog in you. oh i got the dog in me <laughs> but i really like you know you know those moments where you're like oh my god this is an opportunity where it's like a victimless crime and like even though i have the money to do something like this or whatever it is you're just like Nobody knows what's going on. I'm going to take this. Like that's 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 like what train riding kind of put into me because you're constantly just like in this Peter Pan mode of like trying to just like you know you're basically taking a free ride wherever you go. So you know it that stayed in me. And like the funniest thing happened during the pandemic because it was like early 2020 <laughs> and I had just like I had a car that was dying it was like an old rav4 and I did like the I did the very obvious thing for someone who makes derivative 70s mm-hmm. rock in uh, Los Angeles and I got like a diesel mercedes just cuz I always thought they were super cool you know but I got one and I was like holy shit you have to fucking find diesel pumps like I'm not I'm not ready for this like 
I'm trying to figure this out. Simultaneously, I have this person named Sasha, my best friend, who's in the other room right now, uh, who I live with, who has been making music with me since like basically the first year I started making music. And we've been making music for like 14 years, and, um, and we live together still. But like at the time, in the beginning of the pandemic, I lived in this house that I'm in alone, and I hadn't spoken to Sasha for maybe like eight months because... He, Sasha was living on this farm in Altadena where there was no service. Like on some like, we, I didn't know where my best friend was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the pandemic. Um, but trying to get in touch with them for like a long time about some like music stuff that we needed to talk about, but like just calling them once a week and just like dead, no service. <laughs> so anyways, this, I swear the story is going somewhere good. So like <laughs> I pay $5 at this diesel pump that I find because I just got in this car and I'm like, damn, this car is going to be really expensive. Like this diesel is expensive. This, this <laughs> car is really bad on gas. So I pay like $5 at this gas station in Alhambra. What? Cause I was out there going to get like dumplings and I was like, okay, I'm listening. Jesus Christ, this is expensive. <laughs> I'm just putting down a little bit of money here and then going to fill it up somewhere else. And so I give them $5 and then on the way back to the pump, before I'm able to pump it, like with my prepaid money, <laughs> Sasha calls me out of the blue for the first time in like six months or something. So I immediately take the call. I'm like, homie, what the fuck? Like, where have you been? Like, we have to, there's, did you see this email like months ago? Like, we have to say yes to this thing or we don't. Like, how are you? Blah, blah, <laughs> So we have this whole long conversation. When I get back to the pump, it's been like 40 minutes. And I see that the $5 prepay, which is an embarrassing little tidbit in the first that's place. where my that's where my head was going <laughs> yeah personally but I'm, I'm glad that you addressed that we've all been there we've all been we there. haven't but go ahead but anyways it's uh <laughs> it's like canceled it's like glitched out it says like it says like time expired like code 406 i'm like what the fuck did i do i was like <laughs> this cheap and this stupid like what talking for 40 minutes before pumping it that it's gone i'm gonna have to go back in there and uh ask them to put five dollars back again with my tail between my legs and i was like no i can't i gotta try this <laughs> so i tried to pump it and it worked but it was coming out kind of at like half speed nothing ever happened on the dial and it never stopped and all of a sudden it was like overfilled my pump my my, my tank so i was like what the hell is going on and then i went home and the whole way home i was like okay how did this work? What what did I do? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I live in a house with a, f a bunch of our friends live in the front house. Everyone's like chilling, drinking beers. And I'm like, no, no, no. Hold on, guys. I got to figure something out. <laughs> like, I went here. I did this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I think this pump is broken. And they're like, there's no fucking way this pump is broken. It was just a one-time fluke, blah, blah, blah. So then the next day, I like drive to Malibu. I'm like, we got to run these miles up. I got to <laughs> empty my tank. And then I just go... <laughs> I go to Alhambra. Malibu and Alhambra. Wow. I got to empty it somehow. I got to run these miles up. I got to run these miles up. Exactly. And then I get there. I show up. I give the person $2. I'm like, here. Here's $2 on pump number three. And then I go back there and I set a timer and I wait. And like, I'm listening to a podcast. Not yours yet. Hadn't heard about it. Hadn't existed yet. But listening to a podcast and nine minutes later, the pump is like, glitched blah 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 i try to pump it the same thing happens i did this 
exclusively for 13 months. <laughs> so basically, I had... This this reminds me of like when you're a kid and you find out about that one Mortal Kombat machine that like if you like kick it the right way you'll get a free game kind of thing. Exactly. Except it's exactly. with thousands of dollars worth of diesel fuel. But you could imagine, Jason, if you found out about this, how pumped you would be going to like tell your friends about this little Yeah, exactly. But the funny thing is is that at this point, gas in the pandemic, this was like this happened from like twenty twenty to like 2021 you know and at this point gas wasn't peaked like it was and like my friends always joke now they're like it's because you fucking stole all that gas that everything's so expensive now it has nothing to do with saudi arabia it's all it's all drug dealer (laughs) i think i ran up like close to like seven thousand. my manager he also had a diesel car he was the only other person i know that has a diesel car and i was like dude you have to do it and he's like Fuck no, they're literally just watching you until you hit 10K, then it's like grand larceny. And then, like, these people at this fucking Arco are gonna like sting you with like the ATF or something. I was like, (laughs) because I'm not like a thief. Like, I'm not somebody who, like, like, if I find like a wallet, like, I'll like go find the person and give it back to them. Mm -hmm. But if, like, if the gas, like, gas is that one thing where I'm like, everyone should be able to you know, pull one over on these fuck. Like, it's it's such an egregious crime that we even are in a system where we're all forced to use it to some extent. And mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you checked out the all-new Tesla, but there are ways around it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I might get, like, a... Maybe after this tour, I'll get, like, a Rivian, but... Um, That'd be cool if you, had a, if, you had, if you had a Rivian but a roommate. That'd be very cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. That's the whole... Isn't that their... That's their tagline, right? Like... <laughs> Not ready to live on your own, but... Rivian. It costs $90,000, so get a roommate. But yeah, no, no. The, you know, any little any little things like that like are fun. But like the funny thing about me is that like, I think because of the background that I've had and, and that type of traveling, it's like I'm somebody who will totally get ju- juiced and exploit like a... Like an like if I find like a loophole like that and I'll like... There's different ways that I like to be very frugal because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like... You can, uh, you don't have to waste your money, but then also at the same time, I'm somebody that like, because of that same background, if I, if I hear that something fun is happening, like across the country, like tomorrow, I'll, you know, I'll spend an exorbitant amount of money for an experience too. It's like, Mm. like I'm, I just like to spend my money for things that are enriching and, you know, not just fossil fuels. Sure. By no means am I cheap. It's just like, you know, it's like I just pick and choose it. And like I'm I love to eat and I lo- I love food and it's like I I'm I'm not like I I don't care what the bill is if if the cuisine is like hitting right. Okay. Oh, this man okay. said this man said cuisine. Now you got TJ on Chubb. Once you start saying lean cuisine. cuisine. Lean cuisine. Lean cuisine. We don't check the price tags at Noma. We don't check no, price no, tags. No. I don't check price tags on food either, but I'm almost always disappointed in it. Um, but I'm happy to pay because someone did prepare that for me. No, absolutely. So I need, I recognize that. No, I've listened. I've listened to the podcast. You know, what, Chris, I actually have a question for you. Being somebody, you said you've talked recently about being somebody who doesn't drink, mm-hmm. right? And then you go out with a mm-hmm. lot of people that you know probably have expensive tastes in wine and stuff. And when you finish the meal, you <laughs> are like. <laughs> You're you're party to that mm-hmm. bill. Like some of these meals are like the wine is 
Got to be what two thirds of the bill. Right? That's that's right. Mm. That's right. And that's some- does that ever trip? Does that ever trip you out? <laughs> it's weird. Sobriety. It, it's weird because it really doesn't. Like I really don't care. Yeah. But he. But Chris is the only person that doesn't seem to care, or he has figured out a way to make peace with this thing. <laughs> where it's like, because also for Chris, it's it, he would rather pay an extra hundred seventy eight dollars every time him and I eat dinner. Yeah. For my for my alcohol addiction, yeah. Then you know, then pull out a calculator and figure out what the percentage is. Yeah, and also, th- there's nothing worse in this world to me than being cheap. And if anybody could ever possibly see me in that light, <laughs> it would crush me to the point of I I I would I just that's my that's my absolute nemesis. I get and That's it. why all these I get it I- apps kill me like all these splitting apps and venmo all this shit it's just it's it's too much no i'm totally with you i think that like when people if you're see that's that's the thing that i'm saying like if you're with friends and you're having like a great time with your best friends there's no there's no price tag that would should make anyone if they have the means you know Mm-hmm. worry about it you know it's just it's just these little like we don't hang out with any we don't hang out with any brokies on this side so we're usually in a good <laughs> in a good way but yeah i mean i've definitely paid for some um you know 25 dollar cocktails and 300 dollars bottles of wine in my time and it's something that i have i don't know jason do people do you are there people other people that you hang out with they're gonna be like hey i didn't drink so we're gonna need to like split it like do people actually I do think that when we were when i was younger i feel like i would hear that a lot more but yeah i think nowadays it's just kind of like eh, well, i don't care like whatever. i think the other thing is the other thing is that there's sometimes where people will demand that i don't pay for it yeah and i'm not gonna argue with mm-hmm. you i'm not gonna like force you to let me pay but i'm never going to be the one to introduce that concept at at the end of the meal yeah yeah chris, chris don't you don't put don't pay the tip don't pay the tip. we got this brother yeah, man. they love saying chris don't pay the tip they love that these wine <laughs> these winos in la like they like they like to run it up you know and like <laughs> <laughs> these winos in la absolutely run up a check bro oh 100 and there's so are you sort of anti-wine or you're just that pro tequila no i'm pro tequila and my parents just like my parents love wine and it just was something growing up where i was like you know i just wanted to like be able to steal a beer from like my parents and i was always just like what is this shit you know just like (laughs) (laughs) what uh what's your tequila of choice 818 casamigos uh what are we what are we looking at i like i like mezcal a lot but even when i'm in mexico city i'm just like i'm not like Oh, do you have anything from the? You're just like, what's good? I'll take it. All the shit you have is good. You just let you just tell me what's okay, good. Okay, and when you do mezcal, are we doing it straight, room temp? I mean, out of a gourd. What's going on? How how legit are we going? That's how that's how you're supposed to do it, right? I mean, I've mm-hmm. I've been going there a lot over the last ten years because my manager McGregor used to live there for like seven years, so like I would go visit him a few times a year, and uh, and yeah, that's. That's how they do it. When I first got to Mexico City, when he first moved there, I got off the plane. I was like, I met him at this like karaoke bar. He was with his friends who are from there. And they were like, welcome to Mexico. And they handed me this like, I guess it was just like a little sipping glass of mezcal. But I had never really had mezcal. This was like 10 years ago or something like that. Don't tell me you shot it. And I thought it was just like a nice double shot of like tequila. And I was like, fuck it. Like I just got here. And it's like, you don't know when you get to Mexico City for the first time that it's so elevated, mm. you know, and like you haven't acclimated yet. So I like got out of the Uber, plopped my like suitcase down <laughs> at this like outdoor patio bar, was like, salud. 
and then shot it, and they all their faces just went white. You know, and like, <laughs> it's that shit will rock you if you drink it that way. So the way that I drink mezcal now is like you know it's it's the best because you have to just like really you have to just like touch it to your lips. You know, like it's 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 a really cool. I mean, you I'm sure you like it. I think you've heard. You yeah, talk I like about a little mezcal. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the best time to have it is just like. You you and your friends have a bottle. Mm-hmm. You're in a backyard, you know, telling stories, smoking cigarettes, and slowly getting, you know, super fucked up, but right. in a very warm and and fun kind of inviting way. Right. A fun and inviting way. I like the way you put that. Yeah. All right. Actually, lastly, on this on this podcast, I don't know if you're you're familiar with this part about it, but are you do you, are you familiar with sync talk? Yeah, the synchronization thing that you guys do. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's yes, hilarious. Yes. Um, it's funny because I feel like a lot of the stuff that we've gotten has been pretty chill, you know, like all since I've started making music. Chill meaning doesn't pay very much or chill as in it was <laughs> an easy, smooth transaction? I mean, like, you know, things have paid well, but they've been nothing's come up that's been like egregiously like against like some type of like right 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 stand moral stand high ground but like the funny thing is is that a lot of people that get those things i think that's why you like to ask these questions because it's funny when people say no i'm just like (laughs) if anything ever like we're living in a point that's like past selling out you know and like if you're somebody who's a cool person and you are and you you're authentic about the way that you make art nobody fucking cares when you get the bag you know so it's like mm-hmm. if i was ever to get carl's jr or like <laughs> fucking rivian or whatever the fuck it is i would just be like run it up i'd be like what's up everybody rivian gave me the bag be like a monster sponsored skateboarder <laughs> like a monster sponsored skater that that sums it up quite well that is good we're gonna be the niger houston's of whatever the fuck we get, we get. But like a lot of the stuff that we've got the sinks that we get are like you know it'll be like that zoe kravitz show high fidelity it'll be something where it's like nobody would really bat an eye at but like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the more evil the better like we're we're as cheap as you think i am chris like you know, I'm in this money ball game too. Like, no, no, no. I don't. I don't think this. you're cheap. I think you're. I think you're recovering, which is nice to see. <laughs> and I'm, I, I know you're. I know you're kind of doing the steps and you know, kind of doing the work. And it's been a dynamic <laughs> journey. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in a. I'm in a 12 step program for people that used to be in like DIY noise communities, and we basically meet up and we we hold hands and we talk about like you know normal things that we did today. You know. And it's going pretty well. Yeah. It's been 12, 12 years since I've been a broke hoe. Yeah, thank you guys. <sighs> I love to see. I love to see you developing. Thank you for joining us, drug dealer. How long gone? Um, when's the new album out? I think it comes out October twenty eighth, and then we go on tour starting Halloween. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I tweeted out one of the songs, the the new song with Kate Bollinger. I saw that. I really great song. It. But people really responded to that. People are really fucking with that song. Yeah, that's really cool. It it was uh you know I got um. I got a publishing deal this year that I'm really excited about with Secretly, okay. and that go. was the first. Our family over there at Secretly. I know. I heard. Uh, I spoke with them about you guys, but that was the first artist that they sent me to. You know, basically do a writing session to write for. Yeah. And I was like, I went to. I was on the East Coast. I went to Richmond. I met Kate. I was like, you know, this girl's great. Like she felt like a sister to me immediately. We got drunk. 
the whole night. And then the next morning, uh, I wrote this song, a bit basically trying to write a song for her. But the only problem was <laughs> that the shit banged too hard. And I was like, we have to, <laughs> we're going to bring that back over. Sorry, bro. It's mine now. <laughs> but you're, 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 you're singing. I'll it. put you on a feature. I'll give you a little feature, but we can't, I can't just give the whole shit away. You know what I mean? It's just not the no, one. No, but it know? just, it was too good. Ooh. Like, I was like, uh, I'm not, I can't be the ghostwriter on this. When, uh, when you went to Richmond to record that, how, uh, how exactly did you get there? You did your research, didn't you, Jason? It was the first time that I fucking. It was the first time I hopped a train in the whole pandemic. It was just a little. It was a little. <laughs> it was just a little relapse. You had to get a taste, didn't you? Yeah, I was visiting my parents in Maine, and I, and McGregor was like, "Yo, the secretly email came in. Is there some way you could maybe take a flight down to Richmond before?" And I was like, "I got a better idea." <laughs> I was like, "I'm actually going to go down south before I go back to L.A." And my mom was like, "Oh, what are you going to do?" And I was like, "I'm I'm just going to rent a car." And then I did rent a car and I drove it to Baltimore. And, and then my mom was like calling me. She was like, are you driving? Are you, are you, you're driving, right? And I was like, for sure. She like, she just hates the fact that I. Your mom doesn't like it when you uh, illegally ride freight trains across the country. But the funny thing was, Crazy. is that I've taken this route a million times. So I was like, whatever. Like, you know, the pandemic was long and confusing. Like, maybe I'll just like get, I'll, maybe I'll take a quick little hit of this life again. And then. <laughs> I get on the train in Baltimore. I'm pulling out. I've done it literally, literally like I've done this dozens of times on this train. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't done this in like, honestly, I haven't gone south on the East Coast in like eight years. And um, shit's, I will tell you, anyone that's listening, all you oogles out there, shit is different. Because <laughs> the train pulled out, military style drone, as I was pulling out, just... <laughs> stuck onto me you know glommed onto me Whoa. right over me and then flew off and then the train took off but when i got to richmond mm-hmm. you know that those those boys in mm-hmm. the suburbans were waiting Damn. and i actually and the whole the whole all the train yards have way more security and like the game has changed i think that the game has changed and i would like to report that um i played cat and mouse with them for 40 minutes in that yard and then i just walked <laughs> out and greeted them and took my ticket but the funny thing was is that when they were like, you're fucking old. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? They're like, you're wearing a suit jacket. You don't have a backpack. Why are you? You appear to have more money than I do, young man. I was like, listen up, listen up. Just give me the ticket. I'm all good. And they were like, but why are you in Richmond? I'm like, look, I'm here doing this music thing. They're like, so are you like, do you have a ukulele? Are you going to go to the side of the street? I'm like, no, have you ever heard of this thing? It's like a... Like so I so I have like a publishing deal and there's this girl here who's like a lot younger and she's like she's she's doing pretty well her voice is pretty good and the dudes are just like you know what get the fuck out of here I'm not hearing about this fucking shit I don't associate with top line writers. Get the fuck out of here. Are boy. you familiar with the secretly group guys? I can kind of explain the structure to you if you want, but it might yeah. be, it might take a while. One of the guys is like, yeah, actually, you know, my brother's on dead ocean. Welcome to town. It was hilarious. Where's your ukulele is good. They gave me a ticket and then I was like, they were like, all right, here's your punishment. Five miles down the road is the nearest gas station. And then I like went over to the, cause you know, I used to, when I used to ride trains, I, it was before I had any success, and I was just like, they'd be right. They'd be sending me packing. But I just went to 100 yards away from them and called like an Uber XL, and this dude rolled up. Just, <laughs> this dude straight up rolled up, 
banging Aaliyah. Like a dude with dreads just banging Aaliyah. And I got, it was like a SUV, like a like an expedition or something. And I just opened the door and I gave them a big peace sign and they were like. You ruined their day. God damn it. That's really funny. Um, all right, Michael. Thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure. Yeah, I'd love to meet you guys. I'm, I'm a big fan. I think what you guys are doing is really good for the community of people that, you know, are just trying to keep exercising and get through their day. Thank and you. That's what we do here. Learn about some cool shit. Mm-hmm. We'll come see you play. I'd love to check out a show. We'll hit you. Yeah. Yeah. Love to see you guys. We appreciate it. All right. See you, Jason. Bye, Chris. Yeah.